Okay. Um, it's very interesting that Jesus, you remember that Jesus in John 12, he said this. He said, the time has come when I am going to be glorified. That's what he said. The time has come, the hour has come when I am going to be glorified. And uh, I'm sure that when the disciples heard that, they went, whoopee, that is fantastic. We don't really know what it means, but it sounds wonderful. Jesus is going to be glorified. Maybe something incredibly wonderful is going to happen. And then Jesus went on to tell about, he told this story about a seed. That a seed is put into the ground and there it dies because the shell falls off it and the life comes out of it and up. Uh, And he said, he said, that's what's basically going to happen with my life. They didn't, they didn't really understand what he was talking about. But, but then he said this. In fact, we can go there. John 12. I don't know if you can put it up there. He said, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. That's verse 23. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honour. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And therefore the people who stood by and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice did not come because of my sake, because of me, but for your sake. And then he went on to talk about judgment, which is it's incredible. But basically he started by saying, the Father's going to glorify me. And everyone went, whoopee. And then he went, but now is the hour of trouble. What was Jesus going towards? He was going towards pain and suffering. None of the pain and suffering that Jesus endured was because of the things that he did wrong. Nothing. He wasn't breaking the law, so of course, because if you break the law, you can get in pain for it. You can suffer for it. Jesus wasn't breaking the law, though. Jesus wasn't doing anything that caused this pain to come his way. This was pain that he was going to carry for me and you. It was suffering that he was going through on our behalf. So when I'm talking about pain and suffering, sometimes we've got to identify, what is this pain? Why is this pain there? Is it because perhaps I've been unwise in some way? Why am I suffering like this? Is it because... I have done something silly and stupid that I need to say sorry about. You understand me? Not all pain is, is things that we're going through for God. And, and when I say that, God doesn't bring pain. But pain is the alarm, the alarm bell, the message that he gives us that something is not in order. And where there's disorder, there's strife, there's confusion... There's all sorts of not nice things. Pain gives you that message. And as soon as pain gives you that message, you do what? Well, let's say it like this. Uh, Some people, hopefully not anyone here, when they get flu, they might go to the doctor. Uh, But we know we don't have to go to the doctor. You can all come to the elders. That's why there is elders. That's why there is leaders that you can get anointed. 
You go to the elders first, not the doctor. But we, we forget that, don't we? If you're sick, you go to the elders first, not the doctor. But anyway, it's okay if you went to the doctor, don't worry. But, I mean, I'm sure that he wouldn't like it if you went just for flu. Or she wouldn't like it, so don't do that. Just stay in, get warm. Look at streaming. <laughs> but um, if you've got pain, you go somewhere where you're going to get freedom from pain. You're going to get an answer about your pain, don't you? If you've got pain in your tooth, you go where? The dentist. If there's something wrong with your eyes, where do you go? You go to someone who can, an ophthalmist, what do they call them? An ophthalmist, yeah. Eye optician, that'll do. You go there. But you understand, you get the gist of it. When you get pain, when something goes wrong, you look for a solution to the problem. Because pain needs to be listened to. Now, okay, that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing about pain. That one of the rewards of pain is the willingness to listen. If you've got a pen, write it down, because it's good. Isn't it? One of the rewards of pain is the willingness to listen. But a lot of the time, we don't want to listen. But if we listen, we might find out something from it. It might show us something. It might reveal something to us. I mean, if I go through pain, I, I've, of course, I want the answer. I'm seeking the answer. But at the same time, I'm listening to what it's trying to tell me. So that I can actually deal with it in the right way. And a lot of us, of course, have pain because we're foolish. I know, I know we don't. And, and of course, the thing about being foolish is, you can, every one of us is foolish from time to time. But if you're foolish and then foolish and then foolish and foolish, it makes you a fool. Do you understand me? If you carry on being foolish, it turns you into a fool. But if you're foolish and then you listen to what is being said and receive some correction, well, that makes you wise. So you can be foolish and it can lead to wisdom. Or you can be foolish and carry on being foolish and that makes you a fool. Profound, isn't it, really? I mean, if you think about it, it's not difficult to understand that. So, so we've got to go, okay, so there's been this pain, and, and we, we've all had various pain, and there can be pain of grief, there can be pain of things that we're going through, there can be pain of trauma. Your, your pain that you carry is, is different from the person at the side of you. We all carry different types of pain. But we've got to listen to, to hear what God's saying. And then we have to deal with it in the right way. Um, Jesus said earlier, he said, now my, my soul is troubled. So first he says, it's, I'm going to be glorified. Then he says, it's going to be trouble. And then he says, Father, glorify your name. And then there's a voice. And he hears the voice clearer, clearly. But everyone around him didn't hear it as clear as Jesus. And that's because Jesus had a, a pure heart. He could hear the Father's voice. You understand me? Even through all this pain, even through all this grief that he was going through, and let's face it, his life was pretty. He, you know, he, he was full of joy, but he, he suffered a lot of grief from people. Everything that he was suffering, it was nothing to do with him. He was taking the pain. He was taking it. But it was nothing to do with him. And you just think, what a life he had. 
And yet somehow the pain, and that's another thing that you've got to remember, that pain, if you don't, if, it, it can eventually make you bitter. It can make you resentful. Pain can take you down this road where you start waving your fist at God and you wave your fist at everyone and this pain, I've had it so long and now you're living with this pain. You've identified with it so much. It's become the person that you are. And now it's taken, it's stripped you of joy. You see, you've got, you've got to know what pain is before that moment because it can strip you of joy. It can strip you of everything good. And you can be left there bitter and resentful and putting your fist up at God. But God only wanted that the pain would be an alarm bell so that you would do something or hear something or move something in a different way. He wanted order where there was disorder. I, I know I've got a, a back here that's, you know, from time to time it goes. I mean, I'm, I'm very blessed because the Lord's it's been good for quite a long time. And I'm so thankful, but I know that there's something not quite right with a the disc there. There's something not in order. And when it goes, it causes all the other discs there to get out of place as well. And it's painful with a bad back in it. But I, I realize that's the problem. So I've, I know that the, the, there's a solution, but I don't want to take the solution that's like get on a bed and do an operation. No, no, I don't want that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to the Lord to keep me going. Um, but we're all in different places, all, all hearing different from the Lord. But, but pain is uh, it's really interesting. And uh, Jesus said here, this voice didn't come for my sake, it came for your sake. But then they said, well, some said it thundered. So, so the voice of the Father was like thunder to them. That's a strange thing, isn't it? So Je- Jesus heard it plainly as the Father's voice, speaking beautiful words to him, but other people around him heard it as thunder because inside they were reflecting what was inside on what they were hearing and they couldn't quite work out this beautiful voice that Jesus was hearing. It sounded like thunder. Others said it, it was an angel. So they, they, they were close to it, but it, it, it was the Father speaking. So, so a lot of us carry, carry pain and it, it alters the way that we, we speak to each other. It's, pain's a, a difficult thing, isn't it? And you will remember many, many uh, not many years ago, but a few years ago, I shared about a guy called, uh, it's in Genera, Gen, Genesis 35, and it's a guy called Jacob. Um, oh, there we go. We can look at this, Genesis 35 and verse 15. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel. There you go, that's that one there, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had labor. She had hard labor. Now it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Now this is interesting, isn't it? Because the kingdom, and, and we're talking about, so this was the kingdom of Israel. They were, in the kingdom, they were birthing sons. And Rachel gave birth to a son. She gave a life to bring forth a son. But there was pain involved in birthing something that was of the kingdom. 
Do you understand me? There was pain involved in birthing something of the kingdom. And she gave a life, and the pain that she had, she so identified with it, she said his name's going to be called Ben-Oni, which means the son of my pain. Now, that's what a lot of us do. We go, the, the, the pain that I've had I've, it's come forth nearly like childbirth. It's been like childbirth. It's been so painful to get this place. And we name our pain. And we identify with it. And we go, this is what it cost me. Instead of seeing the future, we feel the pain. And the pain becomes something that we name. And we identify with it. And that's what she did. And then it said, but her father called him Benjamin. So dad came in and went, hey, no, no, no. This kid is not going to be called pain the rest of his life. This kid's going to be called Benjamin, the son of my right hand. This, this kid's going to be someone who is filled with joy. It was going to have a future. It was going to be at my right hand. Well, you know, the son of my right hand. That's the father talking about Jesus, isn't it? The son of my right hand. So it's nearly like you've got to go through your moments of pain and go, have I identified so much with pain in my life that pain has stolen something from me? I've, I've named it. I've named it and I still live in it. And every time I get pain, I go back and I, I say, this is what it came from. Have, have I done that? You see, I've gone through loads of pain in my life, but all the time I'm giving that pain and going, Jesus, you take this pain from me. Because if you don't, I'm going to be resentful. I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be frustrated. The pain of that moment is so much it wants to consume me. But I'm going, no, no. I don't want it to consume me. I want to give it away to you, Jesus. I'm not going to name this moment pain and stay in it. I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to say that this pain is leading to a future. It's something good. Now, you all know about Jabez, don't you? There was a, a, a gentleman in the Bible called Jabez. Or another, another situation where a mother gave birth and it was great pain. And again, she named him Jabez. And I, I, let me just have a look what, what Jabez actually means. Because I've got it somewhere here in all these thousands of pages. Jabez, this is what he says, 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9 to 10. Now Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Again, that's the reoccurring theme. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So... He was named pain, but he went, no, I'm, I don't want that pain. I don't want to be known as pain all my life. I, I don't want to be a pain. I don't want to give this pain away. Because if you carry it, you can sometimes give it away to other people. That's what they get from you. Whatever you've got, you give it. So you can give pain away to people. But, but these two ladies were both birthing sons in the kingdom. And of course... To birth, there's something about suffering that causes kingdom things to come through. Jesus suffered all the time during, during most of his life. But at the end of his life, he, bought, he brought through a harvest of sons. 
And he's still bringing this harvest again and again and again. So even today, there's a harvest coming from the pain that Jesus carried and bore himself. Isn't that? It's an incredible thing. So he birthed sons into the kingdom. That's why you're sat here, because Jesus and what he went through, he birthed sons and daughters who even today are filling the kingdom of God. So there's something about pain and suffering that brings forth reality, genuineness. You see, pain's got these facets to it that are incredible if we'll just listen. But we have to move on all the time. We have to see the future. You can't stay in your pain. You've got to give it away. Sometimes it's like we glorify pain. No, you've got to give it away. I'm not having this pain, Lord. I'm listening to it. I'm learning from it, but I'm not going to sit in it. It's not going to disable me. It's not going to stop me from functioning any longer. I'm giving it away. And first, you've got to do it internally. Whatever the pain is that you were suffering, first of all, it's got to be something that you are dealing with internally and giving it to Jesus. That's what he wants. So whatever it is that you were sitting with today, whatever's in the family, whatever it is that you feel is is surrounding you and oppressing you, we have to find a way to give that away. We have to give it from insiders. Look at it. Don't deny it. Look at it. See it. And then give it away. So... um, I just want to tell you a little story because one of the things about my life is that I am honest. Uh, let me just I'm have to take my jumper off. I thought it was a bit cold today, but what was it? What was it Matt said to me? Oh, it's, it's made a mess of me hair, I can tell. Don't laugh. Okay, do I look good? (laughs) Okay, vulnerability, transparency and honesty is is maybe one of the keys to living with Jesus. He knows everything and he sees everything and he knows all about your life. He knows everything that goes on and you go, well, therefore I don't need to tell him. No, you, you need to tell him because you need to know where you're at. He knows where you're at. The question is, do you know where you're at? Where, you know, that was the question, wasn't it, to Adam? Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? Huh? In the garden. I'm not talking about this, Adam. I'm talking about in the garden. <laughs> and um, he said, where are you? And God knew where he was. But it, what he meant is, where are you? Where, do you know where you are? Do you know what you're carrying? Do you know what's inside? Do you know what's weighing you down? Have, have, have you understood what you're carrying on your shoulders? Do you, do, do you really understand it? I want you to know where you are. And um, it's always a little bit, you know, sometimes. Yesterday I, I, I shared quite a lot of personal things. But today I just wanted to talk about this. I, I'll never forget the time that I went to see the doctor. And this particular instance, I went to see the doctor because there was a... a a male problem that I was having, okay? I won't go into the details of it. But this problem, of course, because I'm a man, you know, even me, I'm the most, like, honest person, but this particular problem was affecting me not only 
physically, but it, it had began to affect me in a mental way. Like uh, I, was, I was getting quite anxious about it. So I went to see the doctor, and of course my doctor is a female doctor. So I went into her, and I thought, okay, I'll just tell her this and this and this. And I told her these things, and she listened very carefully and nicely as she does. And when I'd finished, I kind of walked out of the doctor's surgery, and I was a little bit upset. I was a little bit upset, like frustrated. And, and I'm walking over the car park, and immediately I heard a voice say, my son, if you will only tell half the truth, you will only get half the answer. And it just like, and I, I wanted to turn around and go, yeah, but one half the truth pretty, wanted it cut into the car? That's what I wanted to say. But it, it felt right, because I knew I'd just told half the truth. So this is what I did. I went home, and I wrote a four-page letter to the doctor and told her absolutely everything. I then sent it to the doctor, and the doctor then rang and said, Paul, I've booked you in for a double appointment with me. And then I sat with the doctor, and she had the letter in front of her. And she was crying. And she said, Paul, I never knew this. I didn't realize that this was how a man thought. She said, this is like treasure. It's a key. But she was crying at the same time because she realized that everything that I'd written was very personal and vulnerable to me. And of course, to, yeah, it was vulnerable to me. But it was like, okay, it was a lesson. Because I thought that half the truth would be sufficient. <coughs> but actually, half the truth wasn't. God required all the truth to get the real answer. And I think you have to remember that today as we, as we do this because what we're saying is, Lord, we're going we're gonna to leave some of this pain behind now. We're going to leave it. We identify it and we're going to leave it with you. But we're going to walk into the future and we're believing for something better than, than where we've been, but we thank you for the lessons of it. But, but we mustn't forget these lessons because they're very important. Um... <clears throat> When I was thinking about this as well, I was thinking about many things, but let's just go to 2 Kings and chapter 5. And everyone knows the story, but it came back to me really strongly when I was thinking about all of this. Um, and here was a man called Naaman who was the general of the Syrian army. And the general had a problem because he'd, he was suffering with leprosy. That's a big problem. But he was the top commander of the Syrian army. And, of course, we, we don't need to read all the, all the verses because you know the story. But basically, he had a problem. And, and, and we know that the, the maidservant who was an... Now, this is interesting. She was an Israelite who had been 
Taken, she'd been captured by the Syrian army and taken from her homeland into another land and was now a slave girl. You could say that, a slave girl. She was a slave. She didn't have a choice in it, but she was the servant to, to Naaman's wife. But there's one thing about her, that through all that pain, so can you imagine? I mean, we think we've got a tough life, but just imagine what it's like to lose the place that you came from to, to identify with everything in that, that homeland and that place, to lose it, to be brought as a, a, a slave and a servant, taken in chains to another place, and then you, you, you have, where's future? What, what are you thinking in that situation? And there's thousands of people today, millions of people today, that go through this very thing. Huh? And we, we think we have difficulties, but my, that's incredible. But in all that, she didn't lose the hope that she had in her heart. She didn't lose anything that she'd, she knew from the homeland. She, she brought it all with her, and she remembered that there was a prophet in Israel who could help Naaman get well. That's what she'd, she was a golden key. That's what I call her. She was a little golden key who connected one person with another person. But somehow she managed to do that despite what she was carrying inside herself. Or maybe she'd carried it and given it to Jesus. She'd given it to the Lord so that she could live. But anyway, she, she comes along and she says, I know there's a, a prophet called Elisha in Israel and he can deal with your pain problem. And then, and then we see that Naaman goes. He, go, he goes to the great prophet, he knocks on the door, and Elisha is upstairs. The great prophet. Now, you'd think Elijah had run down to meet the top general of the Syrian army, but Elijah didn't do any such thing. He stayed upstairs having his toast and coffee or whatever he was having. And, and he, the guy's downstairs at the bottom of the stairs. And it's interesting because he's at the doorway. It says that he's at the doorway. So he's, he's here. And he knocks on the door. And Elisha sends a messenger down to him. Elijah doesn't even bother to come down. And the general's going, I want to see the prophet of God. I expect that the prophet of God is going to give me all this stuff. He's going to do these little religious signs on me. He's going to say some prayers on me. I don't know what the general was thinking, but the general was thinking, this is the way that I want things to happen. That's what he was thinking. He was going, I know what I want to happen when you come down the stairs. Well, he didn't even come down the stairs. The messenger came down and he said, this is what you've got to do. Go and dip in the old Jordan or something. Go and dip over there seven times. And the guy goes, what? You think I'm going to go and do that? This man's not even come downstairs. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. He must have had all these thoughts. And then a dip in the Jordan. Who would want to go to that smelly old river and dip there? So what did he do? Now listen to this. This is in, in, incredible. Because when Elisha said, this is what you've got to do, guess what happened? The word of Jesus went out from Elisha's mouth, down the stairs, came right to the door, and all this man had to do was go, thank you. That's all he had to do. But no. So can you imagine, the hallway is filled with healing. It's packed 
full of healing to deliver Naaman from his leprosy. And it's coming right down the stairs at him. But Naaman just goes, no, I don't like the way that you're doing it. I don't like the way that you're saying it. I don't like the way that it looks. I expected thus and thus and thus and thus, but you did not do that. So what did he do? Where's the healing right now? It's right here. Admit. And, re- and really, it's, it's already flowing down the stairs. And of course, all he says is go, is go, is go, to, the, go to the Jordan and dip seven times and you'll be healed immediately. So you see, if he'd have gone, thank you so much, and turned away joyous, gone straight down to the river, he'd have been healed immediately. His, his healing was already there. It was right there waiting for him. But instead he walked away. He was angry. It says that he was enraged. Absolutely enraged. Just think he'd, he'd got a message for the way to get well, but he was enraged because it wasn't the way that he wanted it to be. What do you see? I believe there's many people that are walking around in pain, who have cried in pain, who have screamed in pain, who have gone, I've got this pain, and I'm still holding it. And God goes, yeah, but you, you know what to do. I've told you what to do. Give it to me. It's, it's really simple. A lot, a lot of the stuff that Jesus has said is really simple. But we have to address it and identify it in ourselves. We have to go, have I done this? Did I actually talk to Jesus about it? Did I actually give him this pain? Did I actually say sorry for anything that I've done wrong? Did I go, you know what, Jesus, I, I didn't do this very well. Or, or are we becoming like the world who doesn't accept responsibility for anything? Huh? Are we becoming people who don't want to say sorry for anything? Are we becoming people who just want an easy, instant, quick answer about everything? Or are we learning the lessons of, of life? Because this man just, he walked away, and again, it was one of his servants that came up and said, look, how much more would, what did he say? It says in verse 13, 2 Kings 5, it says, And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? The, the thing is that the healing was there all the time. It was already activated. It was in the air. It was in the environment. It was there. And he went, no, thank you. Essentially, that's what he did. He went, no, thank you. His stubbornness, just think what was going on inside him. He was stubborn, he was angry, he was upset, he was enraged, he was disappointed. All those things going on inside him. What did he have to do? He had to humble himself. Literally, he was saying, I am sorry. When he actually went down to the Jordan, he was saying, I am sorry. When he had to bow down in the Jordan seven times, he was going, I'm sorry. I should have listened. I should have done what you said, Lord. And he got healed immediately. But it's something to think about, isn't it? Because I've thought about it many times. God gives us instructions and then we don't actually listen to them or do them. We go, no, no, it's not the way that I wanted it. I wanted it like this or I wanted it like this. But God goes, no, I've been speaking to you about it. And you've heard it. And I think even now, in fact, let's just do that even now. Let's just pray. And I want you to pray and ask Jesus 
to make clear to you what he's already said to you. What his instruction already is. And, and for some of you it might not be applicable, but others it will be. Father, we just pray right now, Lord. We don't want to be like Naaman, Father. We don't want to be like this man who was enraged. You gave him a simple message of what he should do, but he was enraged, Father. And we, we just say that we don't want to be like that, Lord. We, we, want to, we say that we are sorry, Father. If our part in anything has, has, has been wrong in any way, Father, then show us. If we need to take responsibility for anything, Father, show us. Whatever we need to do, Lord, just make it clear once again. We're asking, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord. And we're asking it now, Father. I'm asking, Lord, before we ever move through these doors, Lord, because we want to get into our future, Lord. We want to be walking into the future. We thank you, Father. Now, this is an interesting thought as well. Can you imagine that Jesus is walking around Israel and he is full? I mean, Jesus was full of compassion. That's the other thing that pain does. You realize that, don't you? One of the lessons of pain is that it fills you with compassion. Or it should do. And one of the things that the Lord said to me uh, probably two, two years ago now was that he was going to give us a compassionate heart. And, and every, every time that I look at Jesus, I see that he does things compassionately. He's full of compassion. He reaches out to everyone with compassion. Every time he's healing, it's with compassion. And you just go, okay, well, pain births in us compassion. Because sometimes we don't understand the pain of other people. We don't get it. And, and, and sometimes we can be a little bit careless with what we're saying because we're expecting them to just be well. Just be well. We want you to be well. And a, and a, a lot of the time, there's no compassion in that, is there? There's no reaching out. There's nothing in my heart reaching out to someone if I'm like that. There's no arms going round them. There's just me frustrated and upset because they're ill and it's actually putting me out. I mean, that's a terrible thing, isn't it? I, 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 at the moment, I'm, yeah, I, I can't say what's happening, but some, sometimes you realise that we can become an inconvenience to each other because we can't really be bothered with each other. We're so busy doing our own stuff that we can't... We, we're just inconvenienced with each other. We, get, we can't be bothered looking after each other because it's time and it's effort and it's money and it's, it's all those things. And you just go, Lord, that can't be right. You were filled with a compassion that was like arms that went round people and you kissed them. And in that kiss, you healed them. And I just go, Lord, you said to me, two, two new years ago, I believe, about compassion, that he was going to birth compassion in us. And I'm asking him, I'm going, Lord, we, we seem to go through so much pain. And I realise you're birthing sons and daughters in the kingdom and there's nothing lost. There's nothing lost. There's nothing missing. It's okay. We're still all here, aren't we? And, and this is the truth that actually what is happening today, it, it could be completely gone by tomorrow. This is just 
a circumstance, a, a present circumstance that could change in an instant. And we are here and we are going on. But, but, but I, was, I was birthed in compassion. That's what he's doing with us. He's causing us a look and breaking our hearts for one another so that we can reach out with the arms of Jesus and love one another. You understand that? I'm sure that that's what's going on. And I'm sure that's what the church needs because we've become so fast food. It's like we just go, well, if you just recite a verse or you just do this or you just do that, everything's going to be all right. No, no, maybe we need to put those arms of love around each other and go, you know what, first and foremost, no matter what's going on in your life, I love you and I want you to know that I love you. And if you need help, I am here to help you. I'm not going to exit your life when it gets too much and too busy for me. Because I think that's what we do. And we, we make all these justifications about it. So it can birth, it can birth compassion as long as you don't get bitter or resentful. If you get bitter or resentful, that's what it's birthed already. It can birth compassion. That's what happens in you. Something in you releases towards me. And without you even physically touching me, you embrace me. Because I've been vulnerable towards you. And I've let you in. And not only have I let you in, but your love has begun to flow automatically. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And sometimes we, 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 just, we just want to be like, I've got it all together, I'm, I'm okay, there's nothing wrong with me. And all right, if that's how you are, that's okay. But it's not helpful, really. It, it doesn't help. If I recognize that you were in pain, if I see that there's something going on, I want to release compassion towards you. I want to be there for you. I want to help you. But you've got to remember, there is the words of Jesus that come and give us clear instruction about what we're going to do. A lot of that clear instruction is to do with honesty. It's to do with going, I got this wrong. I need to do something. I need to unpack this. It's to do with you giving something to Jesus. And I, I, I think the whole church right now is getting leveled. I do, honestly. I think it's getting leveled. I, th I, think, I, th I think that the world is looking for people who are genuine, people who actually care, people who are authentic in the way that they live the life. They're not saying everything's perfect. They're going, no, but Jesus has given us some wonderful keys for life. He's given us some wonderful principles. We're learning those, but it doesn't mean to say that I don't go through the same things as you. It doesn't mean to say that I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. We're in this together. And I, just, I feel like we just, something needs to happen in the church for that. And, and I, I feel like authenticity needs to flow again. Not necessarily with us, but it needs to start somewhere. Because I think most of you guys are all authentic. I just, I just think that God just wants to pull you all down to a different level. He just wants to take you to a place that you've not yet been. I was talking about this the other day. You know, when I went to see, I went to see the father of Nepal... Uh, the very, t very first time that I was going, or second time that I went into Nepal, and I, it was a, a covert meeting because he'd just come out of prison after being 14 years in prison. And the government was watching him all the time. 
And I got in a car and went out of the city and met the father of Nepal. Now you say, I think that I'm a man of righteousness and justice. That's what I hope I am. I think that. But I met this man and I suddenly realized that actually here, here is a man of righteousness and justice. This man knows something that I didn't know. I knew the words, and I desire it in my heart and my spirit, but this man knew it at a depth that I did not know. And I believe that Jesus is doing something with us, whereas he wants us to know a depth of his own heart. Don't you want that? I want that. I, I think it's the only thing that's going to work out on the streets. I think, I think people see through all, everything else, they see through it straight away. But if you can reach out and touch someone in that way, it, opens, it just opens them up. And it's a beautiful thing. And I've seen it many times, and it's a beautiful thing. And I'm aching for that. I'm aching to see that. And yes, I believe, I believe that we supernatural healings are going to flow. This is, this is what I've seen. You see, I believe in prosperity. Of course I do. Because it's in the Bible. You know, all this stuff about, pro, do you believe in, of course I believe in prosperity. John said real clear, I want your soul to prosper. I want your health to prosper. I want you to prosper in every way. It's not a, you understand me, it's not an issue. But listen, it comes from a different place. That's what we've not understood. The prosperity message, it comes from a different place. It's meant to. And the place it comes from is me giving my life to you. And you giving your life to me. It comes out of death into life. Do you understand me? It comes from a different place. What is God doing then? Well, he's taking us to a different dimension. And he's taking all of us there. He's not just taking one or two of us there. He wants all of us there. Because he wants us to know prosperity, but he, it, it comes from a different place. It comes from the giving of yourself to him and to one another. And God loves to prosper you in every way. Yeah. That's what he does. He can't help himself. But that is what is happening in the church all over. I'm absolutely certain at this time. God is bringing us to a different level of understanding and of heart interaction. And it's a beautiful thing. Solutions come out of hearts of compassion. An unstoppable river. An unstoppable river. Okay. So, this is what I want us to do. I mean, to be honest, I, I just got tons and tons and tons. But... Does everyone understand what I'm saying? Do you, do you get it? Does anyone have any questions? Because I'm quite happy to take a few questions if you've got any. Truly, I know. Because I'm not saying that pain comes from God. I'm saying that pain is a trigger that helps us know that something's going wrong. And, and we don't want it to go wrong. He wants to get our attention. So that it doesn't go wrong. Because the enemy sees you in pain and goes, great, great. 
Now I'm going to make them weary. I'm going to, I'm going to destroy them. I don't like them. That's what he does. So he wants to get into the pain. But we're saying, no, pain's an alarm that causes us to look to Jesus. It causes us to look for the solution. That's what I'm saying. Does everyone get that? It's important. And that this pain that you're going through, it actually can take, teach you a lesson if you're willing to listen. But you have to listen. You don't know the answer. That's the problem. You don't know the answer. He knows the answer. So, so you've got to be quiet and you've got to listen to what God is saying and what he's teaching you in the midst of it. Once you've learned that lesson, you take it with you. If there's anything that you have done that has not helped the pain that you feel, you have to give that to God at the same time. So you learn the lesson, you give to God the pain, and you say sorry to him, and then you go, I'm not staying here. I am not identifying this pain as my life. We are going forward. And, and, and some of you need to walk through this one. This is a fantastic one. Huh? Supernatural. The power of God. And it's not just for now. It's you're saying, I want this. I want this in my life. I want to be in a different place. Elam is beautiful. Oasis. I've been in a desert. But I want to see. I've, I want to see it become a fruitful place. Bethesda. Um, Bethesda is the house of grace and of mercy. If you want mercy and more grace, which the church desperately needs, then walk through that one. Emmaus, hot springs, wonders. I'm, you're with me, Jesus. You're not just at the side of me. You're in me. You're with me. We're together. We are one. We're one together. And Bethany, beautiful. The house of poverty that Jesus brought into prosperity. It was beautiful. And, and in every way, he brought, he brought love, he brought intimacy, he brought deep friendship. Jesus loved to go to Bethany. That's where his friends were. And some, some of you, and it is, it's really interesting, because of course, as far as the church goes, as far as the church community goes, we are pretty close. But, but I feel like the Lord's going, yeah, yeah but there's another place. There's another place that you can be. And it's a beautiful place to be. And the world needs to see it. Because that place is full of love. It's full of depth. So, I'm not quite sure how we're going to do this. But would you, uh, Joshua, will you just put that... I've lost my ammo. Uh, will you just put... There's a... There's a yeah. That music on, yeah, those three songs, yeah, thank you. Now, there's communion over there. So if you'd like to take communion, communion, please do. This is one of my favourite songs, by the way. There's something about it, it's just, it's beautiful. Um, do you all remember what I've said? what the instruction is. Do you have a sense of which door you're going to go through? You can go through as many as you want. Um, we're going to move this. But I, I want you to do it in a way that you're actually doing it with the Lord. You understand me? There's no rush. Just take it easy. 
just give that pain away. In fact, let's, let's just pray right now, Father. I thank you, Father, that you teach us lessons, Lord. And Father, there have been many people in pain, Lord. And we've struggled, Father, and we've argued, and we've, we've said things, Father, and, and we do our best in the midst of it, Lord. But Father, we just want to say that we are so sorry, Lord. If any of the pain that we feel, Lord, is anything to do with us, Lord, we want to say sorry, Lord. We take responsibility, Father, where we've done anything, that where we've caused our own pain, Lord. We are so sorry. And we ask that you would forgive us, Lord. And Father, trauma, trauma that is in the room, Lord, grief, Father, that grief that there is, Father, in, in, in the room, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would lift that grief. Lord, we've lost beautiful, beautiful people. We've lost, we've lost them to you, Jesus. And it grieves us, Lord, and it hurts us. But we don't want to sit in that grief, Lord. We don't want to sit in it, Lord. We don't want to live there. We give it to you, Jesus. Just all the grief, Father, all the pain. And Lord, as we do that, and as we walk through these doorways, Lord, we're making a statement, Lord, a declaration to you that we want future, Lord. We want future, Lord. Father, speak. Speak to us, Lord, and make it clear, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask. Thank you, Father. Not quite sure what's going to happen, but some of you will go home and you'll have a beautiful afternoon and all the rest of it, but I feel like it's going to carry on a little bit. Somehow, I feel, I feel like something's began and it's going to carry on a little bit. And if you... You know, I mean, you may not be given over to emotions very often. But it, just be aware that sometimes the Holy Spirit can touch you. And you might not even know why you're crying. You might not even know what's going on. But just allow him. In fact, we just say that right now, don't we? We just, we just say, Lord, we, we allow you. To keep speaking to us, Lord. To keep ministering with us. Talk to us, Lord. Show us. Keep us soft, Lord. Keep us soft, Lord. Protect us, Lord. Protect us in that softness, Lord, and in that compassion. Protect us in it, Lord. As uh, Paul was sharing... Um, I was reminded of a passage in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 4, that we used to use uh, when we were bringing up uh, Nathan and uh, Faye uh, as an educational point of view, you know, reminding them about not rocking themselves back on a chair um, because you could fall over and hurt yourself and so on. But in that passage, when you read it more deeply, it's really interesting that um, the, the Ark of the Covenant has been taken into captivity by the Philistines. And on hearing the news of that, 
Eli rocks back in his chair, falls over, breaks his neck and dies. Um, and there's pain in the captivity part of the Ark of the Covenant, you know, for the Israelites. There's pain there. But then also, when the daughter-in-law hears of that, she's in childbirth and she gives birth and she dies also in childbirth. So there's obviously pain in that as well, real deep-seated pain. And the child is named Ichabod, which is, the meaning of that is no glory. And the thing that, as Paul was sort of sharing, that really sort of came to my sort of heart was when we hold on to pain, there's no glory in that pain. And that it becomes that deep-seated thing that can sit there and that there is no glory. And it's not glory for us as individuals. It's, there's no glory for the Father. And, uh, you know, like Paul was saying, we need to release that pain. And the only way we can do that is to the hands of the Father through Jesus. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, there was no glory in the pain that he was suffering. The, the glory came in the resurrection of Jesus. And there was a resurrection of that pain into something completely different, into new life. And I think that that's the thing that really just struck me, was we need to hand over that pain to the Father, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, or whatever, but that it can be resurrected into new life. And it's just really, really special. Would you just like to stand? And let's just declare over all pain that we are walking into freedom. Father, we want to thank you, Father, that those moments of pain, those issues of pain, Father, we are giving them to you, Jesus. We've given them to you this morning, Lord, and we're going to carry on giving them to you, Jesus. All the pain, Father, we are not going to stand in it or sit in it or live in it, Father. We are walking into the future, Lord. And we want to thank you for this morning, Lord, that we'll remember it, Lord, that it'll be in our mind, Father, and we remember it as we go forward into the week and into the months, Lord, ahead of us. Yes. We're going to remember it yes. and we're going to be thankful, Father, for all that you give us. We thank you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father.